This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. It's so funny. We've already started. So if you're just tuning in on like Spotify or SoundCloud, goodness gracious, take a pause right now, go on YouTube and just like worship your hearts out for a little bit and then come back because what God's doing in the room has already begun. It's way beyond a teaching. It's way beyond a school. Um, so th- thank you, Holy Spirit. I just thank you for doing that. It's so crazy how, how worked up you get when something's been trusted in your hands. And you're like, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know. And you're like trying to figure out how to do it. And God's like, I, you know, I can do this. You know, like, I got this. And when you trust it to him and he's faithful with it, it's like, what do you do? You just say thank you. So <sighs> let me just start there. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your body that was broken for us. Um, thank you for your living sacrifice. Yeah, we just say thank you. Thank you so much. We thank you for your spirit that you're 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 um, you're illuminating things to us and you're transforming us in ways that we're not even aware of. We just say yes to it now. We keep our hearts open before you, but naked hearts before you, God just wide open before you, face to face, nothing covering our hearts. So we behold you and we start to look like you, seeing and reflecting your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And that Jesus' name, amen, is not like, okay, let's close one section and on to another one. That's just a, so be it, in the name of Jesus. So... Um, keep your hearts a little sunken into worship because this is a school of word and worship. And tonight, it feels like we're doing both at the same time. Um, cool. I was telling uh, Mark earlier that I wish that I could teach in a way that I could just grab your faces and just like yell and that everything that's in my guts and in my spirit, you would just get it, you know? Because it's so hard sometimes when you're in love to describe being in love, do you know? And it's so hard sometimes when you're like, your life is completely changed and spun around to describe what it was like for someone who doesn't have a grid for that. And so please do not listen to me with your ears only tonight. Open up your hearts to hear from God because I feel like he's going to do a way better job at explaining than me. Although I've given him permission to speak through my mouth or whatever. So Jesus, have your way tonight. Last week, Pastor Kevin did a fantastic job talking about um, being still before God, like be still and know that he's God. And um, tonight I was wanting to talk about how we uh, stop, drop, and roll. Okay, the the three things you do when you're on fire. I see Josh is here. He knows what's up when you're on fire. Um, And I, I know that it sounds like silly or whatever, but there is some kind of there is some kind of thing that I've learned for like when you're on fire, you have to stop, drop, and roll. And it was so easy and it was so good. I've never been on fire, never had to use it. But I feel like there's some people burning tonight, and I feel like there's some people who are like really on fire, and that's why I kind of want to talk about it. And last week, step one, stop. I feel like if you if you haven't, go listen to Pastor Kevin's teaching on it because the importance of like being still and knowing. He gave us this homework. I don't know if you remember it, but it was to get away from the distractions and anything that's keeping you from being still. 
And whether it's external, like Netflix or Twitter, or games, news, whatever, external stuff, get it away so you can be still. And then he also talked about like the internal stuff. And as we, I tried that homework, I don't know if I got an A or an F. I don't know. I think something, I got an F because it was a little bit of both. I was hard at times and it was really easy at others. But the internal stuff I was really struggling with. I mean, turning stuff off is easy for me. I have no problem. I don't even like stuff really. But the actual internal conversation I was having, I would still have anxiety. I would still have stress. I would still have these things that were so hard for me to stay still. Whether I was going to eat something I shouldn't eat or watch something I shouldn't watch or, you know, like, like, or just veg out. I'm not saying like anything terrible, but like just vegging out on like a movie or Netflix for a long time. It's like, I, I would want to do something so I didn't have to be still with myself or with God. Isn't that crazy? So if Pastor Kevin's listening, I'm sorry, I messed up the homework. But there were some things that I felt like would be really helpful for us to talk about um, in that, uh, I don't know, in the continuation of that conversation. Does that make sense? Okay, so let me pick up in Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 35. And, um, oh, Evangeline, you're here. So Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 35. And we'll read the same kind of talk just in a different chapter later in John 12. But um, for here, we're going to start in, start in Mark chapter 8. Okay. So this is this. For whoever desires to save his life. Actually, let me back up to 34. He said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life must lose it. But whenever... But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. It's funny. Somebody asked me when I, when I read that verse, um, they asked me like how I was feeling about teaching tonight. And I felt great. I mean, I still feel great. I feel so light. There's no weight on me. There's no pressure. There's no, like we talk about no striving. There's no pressure or performance or anything to, to, um, to, to, to strive or get it right. But at the time I felt that lightness at the same time, I also felt this like anxiousness or this dread. And the only way I could think of describing is I'm not used to not striving. Does that make sense? Like my whole life I've strived, my whole life I've been uh, performing. And so to come up and and do something with God where it's like, he has the weight, I'm kind of just like biting my nails, like fiddling with my thumbs because like, I don't know how to not strive. Like, what do I do? So it's this thing of like, yes, I trust you with the weight, but at the same time, I'm kind of dreading trusting me the way because I don't know what to expect. And at first I was beating myself up, but then I saw this same verse in John chapter 12, verse, um, what is it? Verse 23. Yes, it's 23. So John chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus is saying the same thing, just in a little bit of a different context here. Um, so we'll pick up here. It says this, Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. This is where I was. But what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose, I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And so it's so funny because I was like, Jesus is literally, he's 
he's not just talking about being a living sacrifice, which I love that conversation. Don't get me wrong. But he's not sitting there saying, come on, you got to take this heavy thing and you got to lay it down. You got to lay your life down. It's not just that. He's talking about a posture that he's not just teaching about, but he's exemplifying for us in front of our faces. He's saying, listen, it's time that I go and be glorified. And this is not a surprise party for Jesus. This is him getting on a cross and being beaten and being made fun of and being and carrying our weight of our sin. We can look at it in Isaiah later and, and stuff. But, but for now, I just want you to see this picture of, he's saying, it's time that I go be glorified. And he's telling us, listen, if you love your life, you'll lose it. So it's important that you like let go of it so you can actually keep it for eternity. And he's talking about this posture, but then he's saying it right after that. He says, now my soul is troubled. That word trouble is talking about um, to dread. Actually, let me look up. The, I have the definition here for a second. It says to strike one spirit with dread. So he says, my soul is being struck with dread right now. Jesus is saying that. So what do I do? God help, quick, quick, let me, my soul is being attacked, quick, save me. And he's like, no, the whole purpose of why I came is this right here. So let your name be glorified. And it's funny because he talks about the seed and I forgot my seed, but I do have this mint here. Imagine it's a seed. And I was thinking, if we hold on to a seed, we defeat its entire purpose. That's all he's saying. But he's not just saying it, he's walking it out. He's saying, listen, he's saying, listen, don't love your life, let it go. If you hold on to this, you'll defeat the whole purpose of it. And then he's saying, look at me, I am dreading what's about to happen. But God, let you, my Father, let your name be glorified. <sighs> it's funny. Well, it's not funny at all. But this idea of him being glorified, I've always thought as like, oh, glorify God. It's this majestic, beautiful thing of like, he's honored, he's magnified. And we sang about it tonight. And even you guys, I have, I have you guys quoted here saying, with my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you everything. That came out of your mouth and your mouth and your mouth. I saw it. So don't, don't, like, don't go back on that song now. But this idea of glorifying God is so funny because um, we, we look at glory and it's, it's such a good thing. But when people argue about glory, they, they talk about really gritty, nasty things. Like people talk about LeBron James being the best basketball, basketball player ever. And I'm not here to debate that, although I don't agree. The, the thing that they bring up is Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen, he had Dennis Rodman, he had um, Steve Kerr, he had, he had Phil Jackson, like he had all these people to help him. So, you know, LeBron did it all by himself with silly J.R. Smith. And, and it's like, and, and they fight for this idea of that the more weight you carry, the more glory you get right? It's like, well, he did it all by himself. He carried the team on his back so he gets all the glory, right? Isn't that so crazy? So if you bear the weight, then you get the glory. But if you share the weight, then you share the glory. It's like, it wasn't him. It was Dennis Rodman. It wasn't him. You know what I'm saying? If you share it. So this idea of like, when Jesus is saying, it's time for me to enter into my glory, what do you think he was entering into? The, yes. Yes, the cross was heavy. Um, I think I have it here in Isaiah 53, verse, let's see. Oh, 53, verse 4 and 5. I'm reading out the NLT, so Evangel, you don't have to go there. Actually, if you want to go in the New King James, just don't put it up yet, okay? It says this, Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. He said, it's time to enter into my glory. What does it look like? Him being weighed down. 
And we thought it, uh, his troubles and punish, were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion and he was crushed for our sin. What does it look like? He's like, it's time for me to enter my glory. Everyone's like, yay. And he's like, no, I'm going to be crushed for your sake. I'm going to be weighed down for your sake. What is the, how does the New King James says it? Um, verse five, actually, uh, 53 verse five. Okay, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our inequities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we're healed. So this idea of us wanting to glorify God becomes very difficult if we don't know how to let go of weight. <sighs> yeah, right? It is, I mean, it can be difficult. But the thing is, he's showing us, even in this, even this verse, he's teaching us, if you let go of your life, you won't, you won't lose it. But if you hold on to it, you'll lose it. The same thing with that seed is like, if you hold on to that seed, you defeat the entire purpose of the seed. The purpose of the seed is defeated if you hold on to it and try and preserve it. If you're trying to preserve your life, you'll defeat the whole purpose of your life. And that's what he's demonstrating for us. He's like, what do I do? I'm, I'm, my, my soul is crushed to the, um, I think it's Matthew 26. Um, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's like, he's saying, my soul is crushed to the point of anguish, to the point of death. And you know what he says right after that? Not my will, but your will be done. And he has this multiple times, he has a conversation with God. He's like, is there any other way we could do this? If this, if this cup can pass, is this the only way to do this? That's fine, but let your will be done. And it's like, if we don't learn this posture, um, we, can, we can miss out on the purpose that God has for our lives. <sighs> it's not a mint, it's a, it's a seed. Okay. Um, I, I, I grew up terrified of quicksand for some reason. I don't know why, but, it, but it's a very similar thing as that. It's like, they always teach you like, if you squirm in quicksand, you actually sink down deeper. And it's like, there's this posture that we can take when we're, when we're hit with stress or like anxiety or, um, I don't know, financial situations that poke at us or things we just don't know the answer to or like whatever that can poke at us. And the thing is, there can be a thing, there can be a response that we actually are like, I know I'll save it by da da da. And the more we squirm, we actually sink down deeper. We actually like are doing the opposite of saving ourselves. Yes, but the conversation we're having tonight is not a coping mechanism, coping mechanism for like a, for a moment. I'm not, this is not a self-help talk. This is not a like, if you don't squirm, then God will be good and your life will be great. It's not that at all. Um, it's a posture to walk through our whole life with that Jesus walked with and that he invited us to and he did a great job exemplifying um, that we sang about almost the whole night. It's like this letting go of, um, and so I kind of want to break it down tonight. Cool? Okay, good. Um, so the word is actually used a lot in places that we wouldn't expect it. So things like, remember the disciples in, uh, you don't have to go there, but in Matthew 4, verse 20, through 22, it talks about Jesus goes and sees his disciples and he's like, follow me. And they drop their nets and they drop everything and they follow him. That same word is the word we're talking about tonight. Um, actually, I wouldn't mind going there. Um, Evangeline, do you mind going there? Matthew 4, verse 20. Thank you so much. 
And as we flip there, I'll tell you some other ones. Um, in Matthew 5, verse 40, when he talks about if someone sues you for your shirt, give him your coat as well. That same word for let him have is the same word we're talking about. Matthew 6, verse 12, he talks about forgiving debtors. He talks about forgiving people and forgiving their transgressions, forgiving their sins. He's like that forgiveness word is the same word, that letting go. Um, the plank, everyone loves the plank first. Don't be talking about that speck if you had a plank in your own eye. That, eye. that word for removing a plank out of your eye is the same word here for, for letting go. But do you have uh, Matthew 420? Okay, so cool. I'm going to follow you. They immediately left the, oh, can we back up a little bit? Sorry, I want to give some context. Like 18, but that's perfect. Okay. And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting their net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fisher of men. We can pause here for a second because we know the end of the story is he says, follow me and they drop their stuff. This idea, this posture we have for life, um, if we learn to let go of stuff, it's actually bigger than just that moment or just like that, I don't want to be stressed, so I'll let go of it. It's not just fixed for a moment. It has to do with your purpose. The idea of Jesus laying down his life like that, that the kernel of wheat being planted, if we're willing to drop it, there is an exponential eternal impact that we get to have. And that sounds so cute in church, but what I'm saying is it's what, you, it's what we were built for. And we have this choice in front of us where we can pick, like, do I partner with my purpose or is what I'm carrying more important? You know, and I, and I don't mean this to be like, this is not like, a, hey, what are you doing? I'm just saying um, the, the invitation we have tonight is to do what we were always designed to do. We cannot be fishermen and fisher of men at the same time. I mean, I guess we could. Yeah, I'm, not, this is, I'm not going for any fishermen tonight. But I'm saying what they had to let go of actually walked them into what they were designed for. Does that make sense? So for me, I'll give you an example like that. Let me give you, because I don't fish at all. I, hate, I don't hate fishing. I've just never caught one in my life. I know. While you guys are listening, I'm going to say this. I've been deep sea fishing, little sea fishing. I've never caught a fish. I'm very sad about it. Nothing to do with tonight. I'm just, I need a sozo or something. I need to let go of that, all right? But, okay, we'll leave that there. Let that be. Pop, I need you. Um, where was I? Oh, okay. When I went to, when I went to school, I, I actually left um, my job at Expectations as a waiter to go to school, okay? I left an internship at the church to go to school. I left... I left them because I can't do both responsibilities. I can't be in both places at once. I can't do both things. And so I had to drop one thing to pursue the other one. And this idea of um, the word, the root word for that, that leaving your net or whatever, it comes from this prop proposition, preposition, preposition. And it's um, appa. And all the preposition is from English class in ninth grade is it's a governing word that usually precedes a noun or pronoun expressing relation to another word. So the relationship that's expressed by this preposition is separation. So this idea of letting go is a distinct word saying, okay, 
When Jesus came and said, follow me, they dropped their nets. They dropped their ways of making money. They, they left their, um, the next verse talks about, um, they left the boat they're in. They left their father. They left everything. And so there's a separation from, I'm leaving this to go somewhere else. And you look at the word forgiveness, where he talks about, oh, forgiveness of, if you forgive those who sin against you, your father in heaven will forgive you. There's, there, it's not about what they did was right. It's not about what they were doing was wrong or anything like that. It's about, am I willing to let go of this to go somewhere more important? Or will I hold on to it and let go of what's more important? Does that make sense? It's I'm willing to let go of something because this is not worth where God is calling me. Does that make sense? Okay. Beautiful. So the disciples left their boats. Um, they left their, their nets. Uh, and all these examples of even the devil leaving in cha- Matthew chapter 4, like all these examples of leaving, the implication with it is that we have the option to do the opposite. So we can hold on to our nets and we can hold on to our ships and we can hold on to our fathers and we can hold on to our coats when someone sues us for our shirts and we can hold on to these planks in our eyes and people's sins and mistakes. But the whole point behind like stopping, dropping and rolling is like, if you go to TSA and they're like, hey, you can't have that deodorant here, you don't get to go on your trip if you want to hold on to that. Do you, do you see the, the, the thing that God's trying to do here is like, he's, he's teaching us like there's places he's calling us and there's places he's inviting us. And there's places he's like equipping us for. He's like, get your backpack, get ready. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know all the Christian lingo. We know all the Christian stuff. And then when push comes to shove, we're like, oh, but people's opinion's so nice. And he's like, no, you can't take that. And, 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 or, and not even like he's being mean. It's like, you just don't need that where we're going. Do you know? Or, or even worse, you don't know what that's going to do to you where we're going. Because because there's this um, uh, there's this thing of like people's opinions. I mean, you look at Saul versus David. It's like the way they led their lives. There was one person pursuing God's heart and one person who wasn't. But they were both going to the same place, and one of them didn't end up so well, and one of them ended up being a fantastic story—not perfect, but fantastic. But the same thing happens in TSA and, and, and not necessarily the same thing for NASA people. But I was reading the other day, you know, NASA people can't have bread in space. They can't bring bread. They can't bring bread. They can't bring salt. They can't bring pepper. There's a lot of things they're not allowed to bring because in space, everything's different. There's no gravity. So if you spill some crumbs and that gets in a computer, there's no, there's no like, you could blow up all of some breadcrumbs. But that's not like that down here. You get crumbs, you just wipe them on the floor whatever, vacuum them up later. Say myself. <laughs> Megan almost got me. She's like, you wipe them up? No, but no, but I'm, I'm so serious. When you go to space, there are some things that you have no idea how they're going to affect you there. And so there's places that God's trying to take us. And it's like, if I'm not willing to let go of people's opinions or let go of, what are some other ones? What I know, that's a great one. Do you think that your calling is dependent on what you know? Do you think that you'll need that where you're going? And I'm not against knowledge. This is one thing I thought about. I wasn't sure if I'd share, but I think I will. Is God is not anti-boats. God wasn't like, leave your boat. Or I hate boats. Do you understand the disciples spend a lot of time in boats in the gospel? And he's not anti-fish either. He's a big fan of fish. I don't know if you read. Multiple times. He's a big fan of fish. The only difference is the fish was not sustaining them as their source. 
They had to let go of their source in order to say, I'll follow you. And they still had a fish, but it wasn't their source. They still had a boat, but it wasn't their source. In fact, when things were going buck wild in the boat, they went to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, I know you told me to follow you and you told me to come on this street. Can you wake up and help us out here? Do you see what I'm saying? The boat's not the problem. <sighs> it's, the it's, it's the hold the boat has on you. And that's not an accusatory thing. It's, just, it's a really freeing thing. I'm telling you, I feel very free in it. You know, I feel dangerous. Feeling frisky. So, anyways. So, yeah. We'll just slow down, dude. Because it gets dangerous here. We'll, 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 we'll just, everyone take a deep breath. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. But I will say this. There are some things I can carry on TSA that actually make me feel very safe. Um, they make me feel very, like I have, I care them for self-defense. I care them for coping with stress and different things. I care them to help me relax. I care them to help me feel in control and I care them to make me feel more confident. And there are some things where God's like, ah, you don't need that where we're going. You definitely don't need self-defense. Like if we are, the, the first verse we read in Mark chapter eight, he talks about if you save your life, you'll lose it. This idea of saving or preserving our life is like, it sounds like it makes so much sense to me of like, I don't know if this is going to hurt or not. So let me save my own life or this, or, or this does hurt right now. So let me make myself feel better or whatever. And there's not, God is not against you feeling good. God is not against you being safe. God's not like, I want you to walk on water so you'll drown. Or I want you to, you know, get, get eat my fish. So, you know, this is going to be funny. Watch this angels. And he's just like laughing at people getting hurt in heaven. That's not God's intentions. He's actually for you to be safe. In fact, he saved you. <sighs> But if we carry the weight, then we get all the glory. So we can't sit here and be like, I want to glorify you, God. But then we carry all the weight. Because if we carry the weight, then we're sharing the glory. And that, I, I, again, no accusatory. I'm not pointing at anybody here. But I did hear you guys say, with my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. So don't be walking out of here picking your life back up as soon as you get in the car. Goodness gracious. <sighs> okay. A few, kick, a few quick things. Um, so just to kind of summarize some stuff, actually I'll summarize stop, drop and roll in a second. I do want to tell a story just um, kind of off the script here. Um, I mentioned it, God's not anti-boats. And I think that's true, but for one person, he was pretty anti-boats. Um, and that was, I'm not even going to turn there. I'm just going to read it to you guys from my heart. Um, in Jonah, Jonah was asked, I think it's Jonah 1 verse 3, he was asked by God to like go and go to Nineveh and give the word of the Lord, right? And it says word for word in New King James that he actually fleed from the Lord's presence. And when he fleed to Joppa and he went to all these different places, and he gets in the boat and he's rolling and, and then there's a giant storm and people are all shaken up in it and they go and wake up Jonah and says, wake up, pray to your God, we need to, we need to come on, what's going on here? And I realized Jonah wasn't, God wasn't saying like, oh, I'm going to punish you for being a bad boy and disobeying me. It actually, he was referring to where he says that, that the thing that was carrying him away from the presence of the Lord was being shaken up. So in that case, he's anti-boat. But he's not anti-boat. He's just anti-anything that will carry us away from his presence. And I realized because Jesus later compared himself to Jonah. He was like, I'm the better Jonah. But, but when Jesus was in a boat, in the middle of the storm, he was sleeping. But when Jonah was in the boat, in the middle of his sleep, the storm came and 
and interrupted it. And I was realizing there's things that we find ourselves like trying to hold on to for dear life, like that kernel of wheat. And we're like, let me just hold on to this, please. If I could just hold on to this, this thing that makes me feel comfortable or this thing that makes me feel confident or this thing that makes me feel, um, I don't know, makes me feel better about like I had a long day. So this, this, this cupcake or whatever it is, this thing, this thing, whatever. If I could hold on to this, then, then I'll have this rest or have this peace or whatever. And I'm telling you, the thing that's carrying away, carrying us away from his presence, God will come and shake up. And we'll be like, God, why is this happening to me? I feel so empty after watching so much Netflix. Why do I feel so feel, feel tired? Well, I feel like a, a, a turd after eating all these cupcakes. And it's like, why do I feel so bad? And it's like, why do you think? Because he's coming to shake, he's coming to shake up what's carrying you away from him. And it's not a mean thing. It's not a mean thing at all. In fact, if we learn to let go of our will and let go, like Jesus did here in the, in the garden, I didn't finish that story, or maybe I did, but he said, I'm crushed to the point of anguish. This is awful. I hate this. this is, I'm dreading this. this is terrible. He said, but not my will, but your be done. Like Jesus did. Then when we're walking through a storm, we'll actually be able to rest as opposed to when we're looking to rest and the storm comes to ruin our rest. It's the complete opposite. It's backwards. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay. So stop, drop, and roll and we'll get out of here. Is this making sense? Okay, cool. And and um, just a side personal note, it isn't a one-time decision thing. I mean, we, I think we talked about like um, opinions. It's crazy. Opinions? Like I let go of them like 16 times today. I've, I'm, I'm letting go of them right now. There's actually some people I'm like, like avoiding eye contact with in the room because I'm like, <laughs> I wonder what their opinion is of me. But the thing is, it's funny because we think about it's a decision, right? But it's like, it's not, it's bigger than a decision. It's a posture, which means that when the temptation to come back and pick up what people's opinion is again, I have to put it back down again. And it's not just, it's letting go, continue. It's, it's keeping my hands open. Continue. I have to let go of my life. That idea of life, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. The, the word he uses for life in John, um, uh, 12 verse 25 is he who loves his life is the same word he used for 27 in verse 27 it says now my soul is troubled soul and life are not like you going and taking a bullet for the lord it's the soul it's your feelings it's your emotions it's your your things your your the things that are tearing you up or the things that you absolutely hate or that, that like when you hear some news and it just makes you cry inside like that soul that soul is the same word he's using for lay down your life He's saying, lay down your life. Don't love it, let it go. And he's like, look, my life is troubled right now. What should I do? God save me? No, no, no. Let your name be glorified. So I'm telling you right now, as we speak, there's people who just walked in the room right now. I'm like, I don't know what they think about me. And it's like, I have to sit here and keep the posture of, let your name be glorified, God. I'm anxious, but let your name be glorified. Why would I need to hold on to that here? And the thing is like, that's for people's opinions, but the same thing goes for unforgiveness which I found out isn't even a word. I looked it up, Mary, Miriam, whatever her name is, dictionary. She's, she's telling me that unforgiveness is not a word. Forgiving, forgivingness is a word or unforgivingness. But, but this idea of unforgiving is like, it's, it's a posture. It's not like sometimes I forgive people and I think, oh, it's done, I forgave them. But then it comes back up when they do something again. It's like, they, they, or even they don't even do something. I just see them and I'm reminded of it. And I'm like, oh yeah. And it's like, there has to be a posture that whenever it comes back up, I'm still, my hands are open. I'm sorry, I can't grab that. Um, you, you think about even back to the disciples picture. It's like, it's not like they were never saw a boat again when they were like, okay, we'll let go of these boats. We'll drop these nets. We'll get rid of these fish. We'll get rid of our dad. We'll get rid of everything and we'll follow you. It's not like they never got in a boat and never saw a fish again. Do you know what I'm saying? 
It's just they chose never to pick it up as their source again. They, t- they chose to never hold on to it again like they were for dear life. And so there will be opportunities to hold on to people's opinion and hold on to um, what you know. I mean, I'm telling you, like, one day I'll be like, I don't, I, I trust you. And as soon as I go on 66, it's like a different <laughs> song. You know, it's like Lamentations. Or it's, not, it's, not a, it's, not a good, it's not a good song. But, do you, but you see, just like that, it can switch. And I'm telling you, it has to be a posture of continually letting go. And, and forgiveness is a big one. And I won't go there. Maybe that's for another night. I wish I could go there, but I'm going to keep going and where he's got me, all right? So just, if you want to hear it, pray to the Lord, some witchcraft prayers or something. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Okay, so stop, drop, and roll. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I won't say it, but there's a new movie out you guys should not see. Um, anyways, so stop, um, th- this is the verse I use for stop. And this is this, if you want to know practically how to do it, let's just break it in like really, really simple, simple. If you want to stop, first off, go see Pastor Kevin's message of be still and know, okay? One verse that helps me in being still and knowing is Psalm 139. The whole chapter is thick and juicy. It's like a filet mignon wrapped in bacon. It is something you can't get anywhere else. But I will say, um, I'll just read the last two verses i'll say this the first part of it is so good it makes this it makes the middle of it like and it all like lands a plane with something that'll just change your life forever so i'm just going to read the ending but i encourage you go read one psalm 139 if you want to stop i might just read the whole thing i'm gonna read the whole thing okay oh lord you have examined my heart and know everything about me so remember keep this in context this will stop you in your tracks your heart's racing, your, your adrenaline's going, whatever. Come back to this. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit up or sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. <laughs> you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me You and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. <sighs> to you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's room. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. That was a juicy part. Oh God, 
I'll just read it. Why not? Because I honestly, like, I can relate to this. David would be like, you're so sweet. You're so sweet. Hey, freak those guys. But he says, oh, God, if, I, if only you were to destroy the wicked, get out of my life, you murderers. <laughs> they blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name, oh, Lord. Shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. He goes back to this one. And this is why I love the ending right here. Search me. Look at this. You have David. You have David who says, you're so good. And you know me even before I say the words, you know me. And, I, and, and, I, and you see me right through me. And you've made me in my mother. Every intimate part of me, he's pouring his heart. He's a loving guy. He's like, oh. And he's like, and you know what? Gosh, I hate those people. And then he goes back and he ends with this. He says, but search me. He says, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Some of our hatred for people is coming out of anxiety. But it's okay. Just end it. End it with the with the, the the wrapped in bacon. End it with the juicy. Search me and know me. Search my anxious. Point out anything that offends you, so that you lead me on the path to eternal life, which is defined in John as knowing Him. So he's literally saying, eternal life in John seventeen is is the definition is to know God. So he's saying, search me, and know me, because I want to know you. And there's some things getting in the way of me knowing you. Okay, so if you want to stop. I say, go back and listen to Pastor Kevin's message about be still and knowing. It's about being still and knowing. And if there's things that are keeping you from being still, I promise, go back and read Psalm 139. It'll stop you in your tracks and invite him to search you and know you. And then when he points out something that's offending him or something that's like, oh, I don't know if that should be there, then how do we drop it? I'll tell you, Jesus says it right here. Well, no, it's, it's not that important. I, I'll read it real quick. But he's, he talks about the, the kernel of wheat being, being, um, being, um, dropped. He's like, you got to drop it. Um, and he exemplifies it beautifully in his, uh, in his whole life. I mean, he comes in on a donkey, living the dream, triumphant entry in verse in chapter 12. And then chapter 13, he's washing toes. He's on the ground. And then in chapter 19, he's in the grave. He's underground. And you can see this progression of like, he's going lower and lower and lower. And with his whole life, he's, he's laying it down before God and humility is marking everything he does. And so my only like, this is not even like a pro tip or master tip, but the thing that I found is a lot of times that I'm not willing to let go of something is because I'm also not being humble in that area. And I can feel the Lord like where I've exalted myself I've made this case that I'm so big and bad, you know, that he's like, actually, you're not that big and bad. I'm big and bad. And it's like, no, but I'm so big and bad. And it's like, if I'm willing to humble myself and say, actually, you're so good. And I go back to the, thank you, God. And I, and I, and I bring myself to like, oh my gosh, even there's no, there's no servant greater than his master. And my master got down and washed these people's feet. So what am I doing? Do you know, like, like if you're able to accept what he's done, I mean, if you look at all these examples in scripture, I'm not going to go back and read them all, but I'm just going to get some highlights. The, the whole letting down their nets was because they met Jesus. Letting go of the boats, the father was because they met Jesus. There's this other verse in Matthew 8, verse 15, with, a, with this girl, she touched Jesus' hand and her fever left her. That word is the same word, apo, the preposition for letting go. And this word is not by accident, it's a byproduct of being touched by Jesus. 
casting our cares, casting our crowns. Why? Because we see Jesus. It's a response. I'm talking, if you have trouble with humility, just look at Jesus. I mean, just think about what would it like if I came to you and said, can I put this nail in your feet? Can I put this down in your hands? Can I beat you? Can I strip you to the point where you're not, your gender is not even recognizable? Can I? It will humble you so fast. And it's so easy to drop things then. Goodness gracious, unforgiveness especially. My question I ask myself when I'm having trouble forgiving people, especially repetitively, is or the deep ones, like the real dark ones, like the ones that you can't even talk about, like those things abuse situations or whatever, those things can be so hard. But I have to ask myself the question, is what they did to me more important than what he did to me? And I have to weigh those. Or is what they did more important than what he did for them? I have to weigh those things. And if we allow what they did to matter more, it's going to be really hard to drop it. But if we look at what he did, it's very easy. I'll drop it it like a hot potato. So we got to stop Psalm 139. We got drop, look at Jesus, that's humility. And the roll part, now this is probably the most fun one and the quickest one. Psalm 37 verse, um, I think it's four and five, but we'll see. Um, Evangeline, you can pull it up there, I guess, if you want. It's not a hard one. It's a really easy one. Um, actually, I'll start in three. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Then he will. Uh, then you'll live safely in the land and prosper. Verse four says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then verse five says this, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he'll help you. And that verb commit is, um, I don't want to say it's poorly translated, but Every other time it's translated in the scripture for the majority, it's not used as commit. It's used as to take the stone of that's covering a well and to roll the weight of it off of the well so you can get water from the well. The word is better translated roll. In fact, more times it's translated roll. So this idea of committing everything we do to God is not this thing of, I give this to you with your mouth, but it's taking the weight of something, rolling it off of something so that you can have access to something else. A living water, we'll say. So for us to stop, drop, and roll, it looks like us taking everything we have and taking this weight and rolling it on him. And I'm not telling you this is easy. And I'm not telling you this is like sexy or someone's going to come like, good job. I'm telling you no one will see this. I'm telling you this is the stuff that no one will see. You can come to church every day of your life, memorize every scripture you can give to the poor. You can be Mother Teresa yourself and not do any of this stuff. No one checks on this. There's only one person and his name is Jesus and he loves you. And this is, this is what he's looking at. He's examining your heart. This is the stuff that no one will see. I'm telling you, you can come in and you can do the Christian karaoke. You can throw your hands up and you can do all, you can do all of it. In fact, you can work in miracles, miracles yeah. and signs and wonders. And people will be like, Oh my gosh, look at that. And you could have spiritual sons out the wazoo. You could be doing everything that looks Christian on paper and not do any of this stuff. Not do any of it. Because you're holding on to it like it's your life. Sorry, I'm not getting mad at you guys. I'm just, I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you feel, if you feel that, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm just passionate, yeah. <sighs> There's a way that feels right when you're on fire. And I've never been on fire. I've been burned a couple times. But one of the things is like, I feel like I would just run around, right? And that's, that feels right, but it's wrong. You got to stop, stop and roll. And there's a way that feels right. 
when stuff comes at you, and even good stuff, it's like, yeah, I did that. But I'm telling you, if we can learn to stop, be still, and know that He's God, to know that He searches us and knows us, and to drop everything, everything, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the stress, the, the accolades of, oh my gosh, you did so good, or like, look how much you did, or wow, look at your family, or look at your car. I mean, whatever it is, to drop that and then to roll it, the weight of it onto him. If we want to glorify him with our lives, we can't do that without letting go of the weight of our lives. So, that's everything I have to say. And um, I pray that we don't let it be something that's like, wow, that was a really good talk. But I pray that it's a, a readjustment of how we, how, we do our, um, how we do our lives, our posture. Like what I think we talked about in worship, there's a whole new way of life. And like, this is an invitation to that way of life. So Jesus, we adore you. We adore you. We fix our eyes on you and we fix our attention, our focus on you. And we allow that to ruin everything we've been holding on to, everything we've been holding on to for dear life. We say ruin it, God. And if it's messy and if it's not sexy and if there's no one to cheer us on, we thank you that you're there with your grace and your and your peace to walk us through it, with your love and with your joy to walk us through it, God. That whatever you started, even the times where we're troubled, we say not our will, but your will be done. Not ours, but yours. We lay down our lives. We let go. We hate them. We're like, ew, we don't want this. Our, our, our Whatever it is, we say, you have it, God. We stop, we drop it, and we roll the weight of it onto you. We commit everything. We roll everything on you, God, because you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. What do you not deserve? You're worthy of everything in our lives. So let our lives reflect that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.